Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth, to talk about all things transfers. I'm guessing you already know that by now. Uh, please subscribe in all your major podcast platforms and follow us on the socials, which we'll get to in a second. Graham, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Good, thank you, Scott. Really interesting uh, last week or so. Can't wait to get into it. Toby? Buzzing. We didn't lose at the weekend. We came back and dented Arsenal's title hopes. And I was there, and it was a very let's, good game. Let's, let's open the show with that, because this Premier League game's... Ah, we're, we're, in, we're doing Europe this week, actually, this midweek, so there's still a bit of time. Arsenal's wobble is starting, is it, Toby? Yeah, plenty of people saying it's not a wobble. I think it was a bit. 2-0 up, inside 10 minutes against a West Ham team devoid of confidence whose crowd often turns on them when they're in that kind of position. And Arsenal took their foot off the gas, made individual mistakes that they haven't been making this season. That's pressure. That's having a wobble. You can frame it any way you want, but they did have a wobble. West Ham should have actually gone on to win that game. Do you know what, though? Even the definition of a wobble changes because of Man City. You can draw two games and it can be a wobble. It doesn't. You don't have to... like lose or lose two games in a row because City hold you to such a high standard even just that one underperformance for like 60 minutes or something like that constitutes I don't want to say the word bottling potentially but you you think Man City's next game in the Premier League Graham is Arsenal City have got Europe to take care of and the FA Cup to take care of before they do that Arsenal could be well clear of City if they beat Southampton on Friday but are you looking at that game and thinking and looking at Man City now and thinking they've really hit their stride here. Yeah, I think City have come through that sticky patch. I think Pep was going through that spell of just tinkering with the team too much. Uh, you know, we've seen such a brilliant City at the start of the season and one went demolished United in the derby and they looked obviously title winners back then, but then Arsenal came on. I think, yes, City just ticking, they're starting to purr now. And I make them my firm favourites to the Champions League. And I do make them my favourites to the Premier League now as well. I really do. Treble on the agenda, potentially. Um, we'll see. Uh, Man City played Real Madrid in the Champions League. There are plenty of games going on in midweek as well in Europe in general. Uh, but let's talk... But Actually, before we do, follow us on socials at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. 90min.com forward slash talking dash transfers for all the latest from the 90min team. 90min underscore football on all the socials for 90min as a whole. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, etc, etc. So give us a follow and watch along or read along is probably the right way to say it on 90min.com where you can find each of us here writing articles on anything including transfers, as long as it's football-related. Anyway, let's start with Chelsea, because they are always almost at the top of the news cycle, whether it's Todd Bowley saying we're going to beat Real Madrid 3-0 at the 
the head of the first leg of the Chelsea Real Madrid game. Uh, a lot of brashness going on around Chelsea and their their spending is probably going to continue into the summer. Uh, we've written a story, Graham, on site over the last few days about Victor Osman being a transfer target for them. Obviously, we see that Chelsea do need a striker because under Graham Potter, they could create a lot of chances, but they couldn't put it in the net, really. Arguments are, and we are recording this, just, just so you know, we are recording this ahead of uh, Chelsea versus Real Madrid in the Champions League. Barring a miracle, which I might look like an idiot if you're listening to this afterwards and Chelsea have miraculously done it. Barring a miracle, it looks like Chelsea are going to end the season in mid-table out of the European places. They have a lot of players to shift. We'll get into contract talks about existing players and this kind of thing in a minute. But Chelsea are still looking to plod on. And Victor Osserman, Graham, is their top striker target. Is that fair to say? Yeah, very much so. We said that earlier in the year. They've been wanting him since since last summer, Scott. You know, Napoli weren't going to sell last year. He's long been their main target. And and this is a player who has a real fondness for Chelsea since I think there's clips of him in on Nigerian TV as a 16-year-old where he talks about Chelsea and his love for Didier Drogba. And it's hard, it, it's hard not to liken him to him. But I think Victor Osimhen will be that marquee sign for Chelsea. And we were talking off pod about all the issues Chelsea have, but I think a lot of their ills will be cured by Osimhen. I think he'll come in, he'll be at number nine, you can build a team around him. Um, I don't see how Chelsea get outbid by anyone for Osimhen. You know, he's been linked to Bayern Munich, he's been linked to Manchester United. I, From what I understand, I don't think Chelsea will be beaten for him. I think they'll go to 150 for him if they have to. I think it won't be far off that what Napoli ask. De Laurentiis, you know, he's that sort of negotiator, isn't he? And I, and, and we say this about a lot of players, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I think he's perfectly suited to the Premier League. I think he's perfectly suited to move to London with Chelsea. I just think he ticks so many boxes, Scott. I think it's, this is like 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 yourself with Kane and Manchester United, if you will. I think Osman and Chelsea is a complete no-brainer and they're confident about getting him. Toby, my question to you is, does Victor Osman perhaps look at Chelsea and then think, you're 11th in the Premier League. You could finish like 14th, potentially, with the running. We were talking about Chelsea potentially being relegated. A few. <laughs> they still haven't got 40 points. They're not going to get relegated, obviously. Um, they're running is, running is difficult. Obviously, we know that Chelsea being out of Europe and having a settled 11 in the league with no other distractions of European football might mean that they can have a much better season next season. But the, the chaos off the pitch, which I know Graham has been... Uh, complimentary of we've been less complimentary of uh toby ourselves is victor osman in your view gonna look at this and go no thanks i don't know i think he has to look at it with the mindset of forget about what's currently happening at chelsea and purely look about what's ahead if he can get over the fact that chelsea won't be in the champions league next year barring a miracle as you say unless they win this year's competition if he can look past that Chelsea's obviously an extremely exciting project. The pockets are as deep as they come. They will continue to sign players. And the ones that they've already brought in should come good, or a number of them should come good in some way, shape or form. They just need the correct manager to guide them and to implement a structure and a shape. Chelsea have been toothless in attack. One thing Victor Rossman will deliver is goals and a focal point. And that almost certainly will make Chelsea a better team next season. It might not take them to title challenging levels 
but there might be enough in that for Osman to look at it and think, okay, within 12 months, the aim is to get back into the top four, play in the Champions League the following season, and then push on for the title. Are there other teams who are willing to match the financial power of Chelsea? I don't think there are. And that's the one other element where you look at it and you think Chelsea are the most appealing option because Osman will be set for life. Once he makes that move, he will have a bumper contract something that Manchester United, Bayern Munich and the other interested parties simply cannot offer him. They can offer him a lot of money, but it's not Chelsea levels of money. Yes, indeed. Um, just looking at the Premier League table now. And yeah, I was trying to find out how low Chelsea would finish. But, um, you know, they have... Uh, it's, it's just kind of a case of sort things out now. There's a new manager that they will need to appoint. We'll talk about that in a second. bit like the Arsenal rebuild though, Scott. You know, they're, yeah. they're out of Champions League and look where Arsenal are now. They've been out of Champions League. If anything, it's helped them a little bit because when you have these lesser squads, that is, obviously the smaller squads isn't an issue for Chelsea. But it does help to con- whoever comes in. I don't think they'll mind being out of Champions League for that season. It can help focus the squad. You know, I think build that squad and get the run going. I don't think it's a massive thing for Chelsea to miss out. They've got to get the managerial appointment correct because then the off-field stuff will settle down. It's been absolute chaos ever since they decided Graham Potter was going to be their next manager after Mm -hmm. Thomas Tuchel. It's been seven months of relentless chit-chat about he wasn't the right man. That has proven to be the case. And now they're in this comedy era where Frank Lampard's gone back in as interim. Things are getting no better. Once they're past that, the landscape will be completely different. But obviously, we can't help but live in the present right now. Chelsea look like an awful place to be, but they won't be like that forever. I think that's the realistic slant that we have to put on this is if they get the right boss in, things will begin to calm down off the pitch and we won't be so flustered by the fact that Chelsea are linked with 100 players each and every week. It will be more concise. We'll talk about the bosses in a bit more depth in a second. Mason Mount's contract is a big priority for Chelsea. What's the latest there, Graham? Yeah, there's a newfound confidence at Chelsea that Mason Mount will sign a new deal. Like, let's get this right. He wasn't one of the players who was not settled under Graham Potter. He's one of a handful of senior players who, who from the off, let Chelsea hierarchy be known. This is not the right man for the club. He was proved correct. Mason Mount, he's, he's very strongly linked to Liverpool. They like him. They were trying to get this deal done quickly. We know that. But as it turns out, Chelsea are already planning new talks with him now. Graham Potter is out the door. And there's a renewed confidence there. Obviously, if he does say no, then just Liverpool, even he was linked to United at one point and a few other clubs, he will be shown the door because he'll have a year left. But there is a renewed confidence now at Chelsea that they can tie Mason Mount down. And to be fair to his hierarchy, a lot of issues, but they've always wanted Mason Mount to stay. Yeah, makes a lot of sense that he, he would. Uh, we'll talk about his mate later in the show. Uh, let's talk about another Chelsea Academy graduate, Connor Gallagher. Uh, he and his future is not so clear cut at the moment. Obviously, he's been playing here and there for Chelsea this season, uh, and he's, you know, in, been introduced in recent matches as well. What does his long term role look like at Chelsea, Graham? Not dissimilar, you know. He's he's waiting for a new manager coming, basically. He's one of the most in-demand Chelsea players. He's got half the Premier League. He he has his choice of clubs from Palace, Newcastle, West Ham, even to the likes of Liverpool. He's got his choice of clubs. He's going to see who comes in. I think it's a story with a lot of his Chelsea players. We know there's about a dozen who will be able to leave, but we, we can't really nail them down at the moment because whoever comes in, be it Enrique or Nagelsmann, whoever, they'll have their opinions on these players. So one player who 
a lot of people don't think Gallagher will stay. If he comes in and he's a very important player, he might. So he's waiting to see who comes in. And then if he's not going to be a firm, I don't think he's going to demand first team football, but he'll demand to be part of that first 14, 15. And if he's not, he'll soon know about it. And then he'll be allowed to leave in the summer if he's not. Well, talk about the managers in a second, but like, how do you. I've seen suggestions from other places over the last few days of Todd Bowley come, or people have said, the hierarchy have said, you know, this player was a disappointment. I, I'm not sure with, whether we can confirm or deny this, but that has made that player disillusioned. I've seen this float around on social, like all these kind of different things. Chelsea have a massive squad. Is it a case of the next manager that comes in? And like I said, we'll talk about that in a second. Is going to have set decisions of which players he would like to work with. Chelsea appoint that manager in good time before the end of the season comes. And when the new season starts, it's a case of this is the core group that I want to work with. The rest of you, you're out. We're going to try and sell you. And it's going to be because they can't on a preseason tour. They can't take 40 players. They can't take 40 senior players. They're going to have to make that distinction at some point. Do you think that's fair, Graham? Yeah, totally, Scott. And I think, you know, they'll come in. The new manager will come in. He'll know his ideas. Enrique, we know, did a PowerPoint presentation. Nagelsmann, the same. They'll already have an idea of, of the players there. Obviously, we spoke about Osman. They'll want a number nine. Toby said off pod, they may look at a new goalkeeper, a midfielder, maybe set half. At the most, I don't think we'll see that many incomings in that Chelsea. Maybe three or four. But as you said, there's going to be at least a dozen who leave. But the names of these players, as we say, will be determined by the new manager, and it will. Because, you know, there's no point in keeping his IH if he's not going to get used. If he is. What do we do with Hudson and Doyle? It really is frightening the amount of players we could leave because there's so many people who the listeners will forget about. I couldn't remember him. Levi Colwell is a decision to be made as well. He doesn't want to be loaned out again, but probably will be. So many, so many players, as you say, Scott. But yeah, that'll be a big decision, but one that'll have to be made early. And that's why this new manager, when he comes in, he may not start work till the 1st of July, 1st of June. But he will make sure that the club know who he does want and who he doesn't. Because ideally, they all get a chance, Scott. As you say, ideally, you all come in pre-season and get a chance. At Chelsea, with the amount of players, that's not going to be possible. They can't do it. I think that that is probably one of the big issues is... Mm. All of these players within their own rights feel like they should be playing first team football. And it's, it's like just that. Inter, it's like that football manager into squad friendly. You do at Chelsea, you could probably have four teams you could put against each other and then do it that way. Have a little tournament. Whoever's on the losing team has to go. There's uh, there's probably a number of players. Sorry, just to say at Chelsea that you know are going to be in that core group for whoever takes over. Conor Gallagher's in that group of players where he really is. Whether or not he suits whoever they appoint. Mm. He could be included in their plans. He could quite conceivably be pushed aside quite quickly. Um, he's played a lot of games for Chelsea this season, but I think he's only started, what, 30 40% of their Premier League matches. So it hasn't been a lot. It would, t- I think even for him, he would need some serious convincing that he's going to be not just a squad player, but a squad player who gets a decent amount of minutes. Because he's got to think about his England future, surely. If he went and played regular football for... I'm just going to throw names out here, Newcastle, Tottenham, that ilk of side, he stands a far better chance of being in Gareth Southgate's plans for Euros, future World Cups, etc. If he stays at Chelsea, you just see his international future perhaps being diminished by the fact that he won't be a regular. He just won't. Uh, let's talk about the manager of Chelsea then. So how is it looking currently, Graham? I've got here, Julian Nagelsmann is set for Chelsea discussions. Luis Enrique's in the frame. There are other managers i'd imagine they've probably whittled down their process a little bit by now but they're in the same marketplace as the likes of tottenham 
let's let's talk Chelsea to start with. What are we? How is it looking currently? Yeah, the the general pushback from Chelsea is look, it's um, a thorough professional search, exhaustive is what they told us a few weeks ago, and that has been the case. But let's not beat around the brush. This is a two horse race. This is Enrique Nagelsmann. Yes, Pochettino um, was of interest. Previous discussions with him, I think, it soured the relationship there a little bit. Um, Spalletti was of interest, doing such a fine job um, in Italy. And obviously, Amarim is a player who is a person at Sporting who Todd Burley really appreciated during his European tour when he first took over. But this is a two horse race. This is Nagelsmann or Enrique. It's, it's as simple as that. Chelsea won't say that, but it is. That's what we're looking at. And it's a fascinating decision they've got to make, guys. You know, as I've said, I I would go with Enrique. I think he 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 would suit almost any club in Europe in the moment. He's such a fascinating man, man isn't he? Brilliant man manager. He's got the experience from Barcelona. We're dealing with superstars, dealing with the kids. He's he would be a fantastic appointment. I personally, and this is just my gut feeling, I think they'll go with Nagelsmann. I just think they'll go with the Hollywood appointment. Um, he's used to, to be fair to him, he's used to working this system with lots of sporting directors, etc., from his time at Red Bull and at Bayern. Um, but yeah, but I said that I've got, I'm not, that's only my gut feeling that I think they'll go Nagelsmann, but I think it's, it, it, it's a two horse race between them two. It really is. Let's, uh, so does that mean then, obviously, Spurs across London also in the same position, hell of a defeat to Bournemouth at the weekend. Um, it is really blowing up at Tottenham. Is it fair to say here that they're looking at the same managers and maybe there's other other managers in the frame? Like how far along in comparison? Spurs made their decision. Chelsea have made their decision. Chelsea seem to be progressing at a faster rate than Tottenham. Are Chelsea going to be the first choice between Fernagelsmann and Enrique and then whichever one isn't chosen will be in the Spurs mix. Is that kind of how it's playing out? Is that fair? Yeah, I don't think Spurs would say it's that, but I think that's the way it is playing out, Scott. Nagelsmann has backed away from Spurs early doors, as as did the Zerbi, but Enrique has not turned Spurs down. He's And he's, in fact, as we've done a story today, he's going to have talks with Spurs. And I think, again, like with Chelsea, Daniel Levy has always liked Enrique. He liked Enrique before the Chelsea job came up. He, he's always liked him. He wanted him. He'd be a nice fit. So they're going to talk to him as well. And it might come down to Enrique having the choice. And as you, as you, you both, you guys have stated the issues at Chelsea, it may not be as straightforward as some people think, you know, Tottenham is a very attractive job. So they're going to talk to him. There are others in the, in this process as well. And it's lot at Feyenoord doing a wonderful job over there. He's going to be in contention, turned down Leeds in, was it January, when Jesse Marsh mm. left? He turned them down. Vincent Company doing a fine job at Burnley. He's in contention. And Brendan Rodgers, his name won't go away. Keep an eye on him, guys. He, he is much loved by Daniel Levy. So, yeah, it's getting to that point now, Spurs having talks, where it might very well come to it, Scott, that, Levy's, that Luis Enrique has his choice of either club. He might get offered both. Are we saying here then, Toby, I'll, I'll come to you. Is Marish, like the fans want Poch back? Is Mauricio Pochettino going to be overlooked for jobs again? It seems like he's always the bridesmaid. Not been in the conversation for the last few weeks, has he? All very quiet. Um, Sean Walsh, our colleague, was at the game on Saturday when Spurs lost to Bournemouth. And yeah, that was what was ringing around the stadium. They want Poch back, but it just doesn't seem to be a thing. Um, In terms of Chelsea, I, I was just thinking, who do I think is a better fit in terms of what needs to happen there? 
because it's going to be quite a volatile atmosphere, I'd imagine, at Chelsea with lots of decisions to make. You've got to be pretty iron-willed as a manager to go in there and kind of sift through who's staying and who's going. Nagelsmann has a minor history of falling out with people. Manuel Neuer being the obvious Mm. case at Bayern Munich. Maybe Enrique's got slightly better man management skills and that might give him the edge over Nagelsmann. But do you think, Graham, he would reconsider Nagelsmann if he wasn't Chelsea's first choice? Would he then have another look at Spurs and think, "Mm, actually, okay, this is a project that I could get on board with? Or would he sit it out and then would Poch come back into the mix? I don't really know where Spurs would go if they... If they couldn't get Enrique because he chose Chelsea and Nagelsmann wasn't then interested, surely Poch wouldn't then want to be third choice either, would he? It's an interesting one. As you say, Poch hasn't been mentioned. The, I guess at Spurs, you could argue they already know what he's about. If you're going to appoint him, you could talk to his other managers, then appoint him because I don't think you probably need an interview for Tottenham. You know what you're getting, don't you? They have talks, but I don't think it'd be a, a real proper interview. Um, I think he's got more chance of being at Spurs than is at Chelsea at this point. But Nagelsmann, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it's just because of the hierarchy in which Chelsea view Chelsea and Tottenham are viewed in Europe. You know, if Nagelsmann goes to Tottenham and fails, is he ever going to get the Real Madrid job, for instance, something like that? If he goes to Chelsea and fails, yeah, a lot of people have done that. I think there is that stature thing with Nagelsmann. I think if he doesn't get a Chelsea job, I'd be surprised if he went to Tottenham. I wouldn't rule it out, though. Toby never said neither in football. But as it stands, I think he really, really wants a Chelsea job. Tottenham are going to need to make a decision because they have a striker who obviously has tried to move away from Spurs before in Harry Kane. Tottenham play Newcastle this weekend at St. James's Park. Tottenham have played a game more than Newcastle. Tottenham have been in the mix for top four, but that Bournemouth defeat was massive. I know that Newcastle lost themselves to Aston Villa, who are themselves thrusting themselves into the mix for top four. It's not completely out of the question. If Newcastle, let's say, New, I'd make Newcastle favourites for this, the way it's going. If Newcastle win, they'll have, they'll be six points clear, having played a game less than Tottenham. Is that essential? And then Tottenham play Man United on the Thursday. And if they don't win that, are we essentially looking at Spurs being not a Champions League club? What is Harry Kane thinking here? Because... He wants to play in the competition. We've talked on previous episodes of this about Man United. They want a striker. What's Harry Kane's position, Graham, currently? He can't be happy. He's not, you know. He, I think Spurs will look back on this season as yet another lost season. There's been virtually every season that Harry Kane's been at Tottenham, isn't it? He, he is waiting. He's waiting to see who Tottenham um, decide on. You know, I think, and that's just—it's logical. It's a—it's the right thing to do for him. If if he likes the manager, who comes in, sees the project, he might sign, he signs a new deal. If he doesn't, he pushes for a move. Then Daniel Levy has a decision to make: where does he sell to? He doesn't want to sell to Manchester United. He's made that clear. If he does, it's going to be well in excess of hundred million. Will they pay that? Not so sure. But Bayern Munich stuff won't go away. I know we we're unclear as to whether he really wants to move to Germany, but. I, I think the real indication of this buying stuff, and we shouldn't forget it, Bayern wouldn't be pursuing him if they didn't think he wanted to go. You know, guys, I don't I don't think they're, they're not a club who wastes their time on transfers. Bayern are one of the cleverer clubs in the world. So I think they have some sort of assurance that, listen, if they do get this deal brokered, he will go. So I, I keep an eye on Bayern. Again, it totally depends on who the manager is. You know, if it's Luis Enrique, I think he'll stay. 
great new contract, everyone's buzzing. But as Toby said, if it if 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 it goes to down to Brendan Rogers or Arnie Slot, is he signing a new deal then? It, it's such a tough it's so I, I Tottenham have got so much riding, not just on this game, but on this managerial decision, Scott. And and when you say I I already assume Tottenham are getting there. I don't know about you guys. I, I I'm not even thinking of Tottenham as a top four team this season anymore. Do you think Harry Kane wishes they'd made an immediate appointment? Because we're just in this weird eight-week lull where Christian Stellini is still there. He said exactly the same stuff that Antonio Conte said three weeks before. The feel, There's no feel-good factor at Tottenham whatsoever. So Kane's decision doesn't start until Stellini leaves the club. Even less so. It's, it's such a mood. He's even moodier than Conte, isn't he? Not shaking hands with managers and yeah, stuff. Uh, I, I, I think Kane probably thinks we should have got rid of Conte in January when the Spurs fans were calling for it. I think Spurs this season has gone there. I think there was probably issues with the compensation and stuff. But Spurs should, when 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 it was all kicking off around January and the new year, they should have made the change then. They should have. Toby, um, Graham just mentioned in relation to Tottenham the term lost year or lost season. Again, I'm bringing this back up in relation to Harry Kane. If they hire Luis Enrique, do you think Tottenham win the league? No. What does Harry Kane want? He wants, well, we know he wants the Premier League goal record. We know he wants to win trophies. We know he wants to play in the Champions League. What those trophies are, we don't know. I think at this stage, he'd probably take any trophy, but your intuition would tell you he wants to win the Premier League and he wants to play in a team capable of winning the Champions League. An FA Cup or a Garibald Cup would be great, but does he really care about that? No. That's what Spurs realistically are still going to be able to offer him moving forward. They're not going to be good enough to compete, even if they get in the Champions League to win it. They're not going to be good enough to compete to win the Premier League. So if he wants those things, he has to leave. But I would have said that exact same thing the last time he signed a new contract. So... (laughs) Who knows? <laughs> this is the thing. We all we all kind of like we're all on different pages here. Maybe me and Toby more similar pages to Graham. But um yeah, it it really depends. Uh, maybe Harry Kane will be enamored by Luis Enrique and he'll sign a new deal and Spurs will everything will be magic. But I if you want to if, fans if, look he, at if this... all he cares about guys is silverware, he goes to Bayern Munich, Manchester United, even Gornet. To Bayern Gar- Munich Gar- pay Graham, to Bayern Munich pay eighty million for Harry Kane. I think you would see them go towards that figure. Not to 100, certainly not. But I think if they're thinking they'll get three, four years out of him, I think they would pay 80. I do. And, and there was one of the board members said that the, the can, was it? Um, so I don't want to misquote him. He said either the can or they're willing to now a few weeks ago. I, one I, of the I, know, I think he said that we don't do that, that, right? <laughs> and I said, said, but he said the can. He did say the can. And I just think, no, I, I think. I said, I think Manet would be a good fit. I think Bayern Munich it would be an even better fit. I think he's he's primed to go there as a new number nine. If he is, if he wants silverware, if he if that's all he wants, then go to Bayern. Is there more chance now with the Sadio Mane blow up recently that Bayern look to cut their losses with Mane? You, I think I think there's the, there's a look at that as well. Definitely, Toby. I think Thomas Tuchel as well. I think it's someone who Hurricane. I think it's more likely now Tuchel's and I think Kane's more likely now Tuchel's there than Nagelsmann. I think it's much more likely. Uh, well, so we're all speculating currently, and this is, you know, we have our own information, but we are speculating. Uh, and we will wait and see for Harry Kane to make the same decision of signing the Spurs contract and be let down in the do same way. Do you think, Scott, with, with Harry Kane, in terms of if he was going to Man United, if, if Man City win the race for Joe Bellingham, 
then surely why why would you sign if you sign for any of English club other than Man City, you're not going to win the Premier League. Wouldn't you think that? Well, Arsenal have proven this season with a little bit of consistency you can get ahead of them. And I'm not saying that I'm I still think Man City. Will I said win the we, I would do, yeah. But Arsenal's yeah, squad yeah. is not as strong. You know, they have sixteen max players who can play at that level. And Tottenham ain't getting there. That's the one club he can't get to, but he'd be a great fit at Arsenal, wouldn't he, guys? Well, they have Gabby Jesus. United United have Wout Weghorst or Anthony Martial. And I've been saying, you wait till Martial actually gets fit. And there's two games that he hasn't played. He hasn't played very much, but he's a hell of an upgrade. And if United have had their first choice striker for most of the season, they'd be a lot better off than they currently are. And adding Harry Kane into that mix. They've already won a trophy. Harry Kane's never won a trophy. Anyway, uh, let's talk... <laughs> Let's talk <laughs> Gabri Vega. Uh, plenty of clubs who are interested in him. Scouted him earlier this week. Graham, who's in the mix? And we've, we've done yeah. Gabri Vega before. Tell us about him. Yeah, he's the um, the midfield starlet in Spanish football, but plays for Celta Vigo. One of the also runs in La Liga, but not even challenging for Europe, but quite... Quite an quite an indifferent season, really. What the twelfth, I think. And their their current status in La Liga summed up by their performance on Monday. Um, yesterday's we're recording. Um, a host of English clubs flew over to to Vigo to to watch Celtic play, and they lost one nil at home to Real Mallorca. And Gabriel himself was taken off just after the hour mark. But yeah, um, the clubs out there: Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United, Newcastle, and Tottenham. All represented Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Newcastle have all watched him before. He's a stunning talent. Everyone in Spain presumes that Real Madrid are going to take him, but that deal, they do want him, they do really like him, but the Jude Bellingham situation is clouding that issue. Uh, Danny Chabalos looks as if he's signing again. Asensio, there's only so much room in that squad, and Real Madrid know that. This is a Real Madrid now who do think about things now. They're not like many teams even in the same league, like Barcelona's there, they do think about the squad here. They're not just signed him because they think he's good and they should, but they're looking at other aspects. He's got Tony Cruz and Modric's new deal. Man City like this guy a lot, guys. They think he's a real possible top-end talent. He's 20-year-old. He's got a 40 million euro release clause, switching Premier League football. That doesn't even buy you much nowadays, does it? Um, so, yeah, there's a good chance he could be Premier League bound. Guys, depending on what happens with Drew Bellingham, Gabri Vega, he didn't have a good game on Monday um, when the clubs went to watch him, but I don't think they'll they'll hang that around his neck too much. That that price that you just mentioned, G, rules out so many good clubs in Europe, but you yeah. could expect Bournemouth to pay that, for example. <laughs> yeah, Such exactly. is the money in the Premier League. How utterly mental is well, that? Well, we said like Bre- 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 we mentioned Brightford, Brentford and Brighton there. How good would he be for that guy? How good? I think we'll sort of this summer we'll see a bit more. We know Brentford and Brighton being associated with producing players. I think we'll see them make a bit more splash in the market now. And forty million euros is well within the reach of Brentford and Brighton now. Particularly if Brighton get into the Europa League, then yeah. their pull, then their pulling power is going to go up as well. Not only do they have this wonderful infrastructure that is now quite renowned and lots of players have already looked at Brighton as an appealing destination. Maybe they look at... Well, even as Aston Villa, Unai Emery in charge, soaring yep. up the table. They're cash-rich anyway. You know, yeah. they're another option. Villa, people 
that's a very good point, Scott. People don't realise how rich Villa owners are. They are very, very even by Premier League standards, Aston Villa's owners are very rich. And and yeah, I think and that's gonna make the top six next year so fascinating. You see, guys, but Liverpool and Chelsea should be back to a bit better. Villa coming along. I think Wolves will again not dissimilar to Villa. I think Le Petitier is doing a great job there and we'll see them challenging for the top half. It's gonna be a fascinating one. Really. Yeah. This is where you circle back to the Harry Kane conversation. All of these teams have got money. All of these teams are good. They're going to all get of these teams well. could finish above Tottenham. Well, well yeah. we didn't, we, we didn't uh, but we didn't. Uh, one, the one club we haven't mentioned, and I, I, I do wonder whether. And this is the, this is the one player, guys. If you remember going back eighteen months to first when Eddie Howe was appointed, Harry Kane was the one who Newcastle always highlighted as being their marquee number nine signing. He hasn't been linked again, but I wouldn't rule. And we've seen Newcastle, they're starting to have a little conversations. We're going to talk about another player coming up. I wouldn't discount them making a little sneaky off of Harry Kane. Wouldn't discount. I'm again, sure Harry Kane hooks. would look at, like you're saying to me, Man United, why Why would he really do that? If he can't win the league with Man City, if, if he can't go to Man City, why would he go to United? He's not going to win the league. Newcastle, you're telling me that they're, they're a better option well, currently? It, well, they have, they have the highest United in the league at the moment. Like Scott, are they? No, they're not. They're, they're oh, fourth, not. Graham. Have they got a game in hand, though? No. Oh, is it? Uh, <laughs> I, I, keep losing, I keep losing track of the United. It's been, I tell you what, though, they give me a good run for the money. Yeah, Scott, to be fair. Really I mean, like, at the start of the season, we had, if, if you look. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We had a bet, Graham said, I'll bet you that Newcastle United will be the highest finishing United in the league. And obviously, I'm a... United, Man well, United it, persuasion. It, it, well, so. if you remember, because it was a three-way conversation at the time as well, Scott, wasn't it? That's Toby Bowser's head. It was a three-way conversation. Uh, I, I never with pushed West Ham West, in with it. I never said that they would finish <laughs> above it, but we did all agree that West Ham would be on the cusp of the top six, and that has not happened. So, yeah. Anyway, um, right. So we've we've done Gabri Vega. This is the intro to a section of midfield dominoes which is going to be for the bulk of the rest of the episode i would say of this of this show because real madrid won jude bellingham if they don't get jude bellingham they could sign gabri vega we'll talk ilkay gundogan later looking to go to barcelona that's that looks like looks like it's going to happen what will man city do could man city get jude bellingham will they get gabri vega will bernardo silver leave all of the is like dominoes, isn't it? Man United want a midfielder. Liverpool want two or three midfielders. Arsenal want a midfielder. Southampton could get relegated, and that's where I'm going to go next. You, you see the point I'm getting, right? Southampton have James Ward-Prowse and Romeo Lavia, and Southampton are pretty much nailed on to get relegated. I think that's fair to say now. It's it, It's been a bit uncertain, but unless, bar, barring a miracle, and maybe I... Maybe something will will come up and Southampton will magically jump out of this or jump back into the mix. But Toby, James Ward-Prowse, Romeo Lavia. We've done a bunch on Lavia with Chelsea in the mix and this kind of thing in the past as well. They could both leave because Southampton are going down. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think 
we've looked at James Ward-Prowse probably for a couple of years as being too good for Southampton, right? A lot of teams have looked at him. He's a superb dead ball specialist, and he's always felt like he's a level above what Southampton have been able to offer him. And if they go down, it's almost certain now that he has to leave. It's very admirable that he stayed. Actually, he committed his future to the club, didn't he? About 12, 18 months ago, signed a new long-term contract. But if he goes down, he's almost certain to leave the club now. Um, Southampton probably could still command a very hefty fee for him. We talk about prices. Southampton probably seeking still around 50 million, we'd have thought, because he's that valuable to them. Um, And he has clubs who like him. Newcastle, we've mentioned there, looking to strengthen their midfield, looking to strengthen a number of positions, left wing, forwards, um, potentially another defender as well. James Ward-Prowse is a player who we think is capable of playing European level football. Um, so Newcastle like him, Tottenham also admire him, Aston Villa, who are now creeping up under Unai Emery, they like James Ward-Prowse as well. So it could be a bit of a Premier League battle for him. Whereas for Romeo, everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Romeo Lavia, really talented teenager who Southampton took from Manchester City for a, a bargain price, you might recall, when people kind of looked at that deal and thought, really? City have allowed him to go for that cheap? Because he was always spoken about as being one of City's brightest academy talents. But Did they, they were have quite a sell-on or buyback in that? There's a buyback. So City it's not, clever it's in next summer though, right? 2024, that becomes active. Yeah, not it's, only, it's only 40 million. And Graham did a story not long, actually, after Lavia joined Southampton. Chelsea wanted to get him immediately. They wanted to supersede that buyback, such as the, the promising nature of Lavia in midfield. And again, if Southampton go down, he is a player that a number of big teams are looking at. And he could be a consideration for the likes of City if they want to bring him back rather than if they miss out on Jude Bellingham, for example. Manchester United... Newcastle, all of these teams looking at him and he may come cheaper than some of the other options that we've discussed but as you say Scott a lot of things have to fall in place in certain departments for other players to kind of move up respective pecking orders but don't be surprised if Lavia and Ward-Prowse are on the shopping list of a lot of teams Anything to add Graham? No I think it's fascinating though and we talk about Sandman going down how, how strong will that squad be? in the championship as, as a championship fan I do fear for if we stay in that league for when Southampton comes down because they're, they're also getting one of the best players in the championship Nathan Teller is going back to Southampton um, yeah I think Lavia is one of those players who you know speak to scouts around the league they think his ceiling is so high guys they think he's a real real prospect and he's gone to Southampton he's got his he's got his Premier League mates under his belt as well which I think only helps him Obviously, he's going down, but I think Lavia is a really interesting one. I think Chelsea love him; they still do. And and Ward Prowse, yeah, you, you can you can make an excuse for Ward Prowse going anyway. Even even we didn't see him linked to United, Scott, where they want that number eight. I don't think he's obviously going to be first choice, but he's such a lovely footballer. I I think you could see him. You know, could he become like a Michael Carrick type player or traffic? I wouldn't rule it out. I think he's such a huge talent. But I say he, he lost. Uh, he, he wasn't called up to the last England squad, was he, Ward Prowse? Despite his form, so he'll be thinking about the Euros. But you know, he could become a big player for England if he gets the right move and goes. But I said he could be go. He could go anywhere in the Premier League. There's a lot of teams who like him. Um, you can make an excuse for a lot of teams. If you're West Ham, Toby, I could see West Ham coming. If Rice goes, I could see West Ham in for Ward Prowse. He's the thing that Ward Prowse delivers is seven out of ten performances every week. Even yeah. though Southampton have been pretty dire this season, 
Ward Prowse has always been that consistent in midfield. He very rarely puts a foot wrong. Um, and look, set pieces are understated in a way. His delivery from corners, the amount of free kicks that he scores, mm-hmm. it adds an extra weapon mm-hmm. into so many clubs' arsenals, particularly if you've got big, tall defenders. And look, West Ham, when they were doing well, <laughs> used to score from corners. They have Actually, I think we've got the worst record this season in terms of goals scored from a corner. I don't know if we have scored from a corner. But Ward Prowse wow. coming in. But hey. David Moyes' team are not scoring from a car. That's that's frightening and fascinating. Well, we, dro- we, dropped, we, dropped, <laughs> we dropped Pablo Fornells, the man who was dropping it on the head of Craig Dawson every week. So. Well, we got it could be the new Beckham Scott. Would you, would you quite fancy him at Old Trafford? Scott, think you fit in there? Uh, he's not too far up my packing order. But um, that's a nice little tie-in, Graham, because you did mention uh, number eights and this kind of thing. We revealed last week on nightymin.com uh, Ryan Gravenberg was of interest to Arsenal, Liverpool, and Manchester United. Bayern, obviously, he's not. it's not gone well for him at Bayern this season. He's not really getting too many minutes. Didn't work for him under Julian Nagelsmann. Thomas Tuchel's come in. The stance from Bayern that I've seen reported elsewhere, in the days since we reported this story, has been that Bayern don't want to sell. But as far as we understand it, decisions will be made. And Graham, we have seen in the last few days that a number of other media have picked up on Arsenal Liverpool's interest in Ryan Gravenberg as well. Uh, but we reported it, I can't remember, at some point last week. Uh, what what can you tell us here? Is this a case of wait and see? And how how likely are Bayern to sell him? I think Bayern are quite likely. You know, he's coming. He hasn't hit the ground running. Thomas Tuchel is coming as well. I think Thomas Tuchel would I, would like to give him the summer, but I, I don't think a player is willing to wait on that. You know, he he knows he's got his Premier League options open to him, and suddenly he's got some really big Premier League options. Liverpool like him a lot, and they're seeing his first team. Arsenal potential instead of um, Declan Rice doesn't go there. Manchester United seem as a potential player, potential as well. So not probably not first choice for us two, but Liverpool really need his midfield enforcements. And Liverpool liked him a lot before he went to Bayern. Liverpool really did. And so I think it's one of those where it's a player they really like who's coming on the market and it's a no-brainer for Liverpool. I think they're, they're, they're looking at him. Could be a possible loan as well, even a loan with a view. So I think it ticks a lot of boxes. Liverpool. I said they easily could bring in three midfielders. So if you can get one like this over the line quickly, I think that is what appeals to Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, uh, like I say, we're going to talk a lot of midfielders. We'll move on to the next one pretty sharpish. Declan Rice, we haven't spoke about him for a few weeks. Uh, and there's not really too much floating around about him currently, but we will uh, prepare an update on him uh, in the next few days on nightmin.com. West Ham have not had a good season, as we've just discussed there. If anything, Declan Rice's value, Toby, might have fallen a little bit. Does that make him more appealing to potentially some other Premier League clubs who are looking at him? I mean, I look at, from a Man United situation, given Bruno Fernandes as Sony can actually keep possession a little bit more in a deeper role. You know, United need a progressive ball-playing midfielder and Frankie de Jong has always been the one that we've talked about in relation to United. Gravenberg is another one who's worked with Eric Ten Hag before. But Declan Rice, I feel... I'm looking at Rafa Varane's latest injury and I think that United probably need to look at a centre-back because Varane's minutes are never guaranteed. Casemiro's been suspended time and again and is still jumping into tackles. Even at Nottingham Forest the other day, he jumped into one and I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Just stop. <laughs> stop it. 
Declan Rice for me, and this is not based on anything but opinion, I think Declan Rice can maybe fill both of those roles and it isn't one or the other. He's He can carry the ball forwards. He can probably be molded into more of a holding player as an understudy of Casemiro, which I think Man United need. And that's maybe going under the radar. But where are we with Declan Rice uh, on your side? You can look at this one of two ways. So West Ham's season of struggle, yes, may have knocked Declan Rice's valuation down a little bit. West Ham publicly have said 100 million all along. Two years left on his contract when we get to the end of this season. We've started to get the feeling that maybe 70 or 80 is more of a realistic figure for West Ham to command. But at the same time, you can make the argument that Arsenal and Chelsea really like Rice. Manchester United do have an interest in him. Manchester City do have an interest in him. When you've got all of those teams circling and competing for a player, that can push the price back up. So it could However, still... I would counter this, Toby, with the, the entire conversation we've just had is... So, Toby, the issue is, I think, Declan Rice, yeah, he might be wanted by all of these clubs and it might drive the price up a little bit. But also, these other clubs want all of these other players that we've talked about. So it's going to be a case of if one club maybe picks the player that they want, that maybe affects the other club, and then that maybe affects the other club. And it's dependent on how Man United's ownership, that takeover, the the amount of time that that's drawn out, that could affect it. If Liverpool do Gravenberg early, that could affect it. So maybe there's a case to say that Declan Rice won't, West Ham won't maybe get that high price for Declan Rice because yeah. other clubs have other options. So many variables. Declan Rice might be first or second on a club shopping list or he might be fifth. But depending on if another player moves first, he might go up a list and he might go down another list. It could it could work out in all sorts of different ways. I think the, the minimum figure that West Ham will get is 70 for us. I think that's kind of the baseline figure. Um, they will still want to push towards 100 as much as they can. I reckon 80 is possibly achievable. And at this stage, I think we understand Arsenal, probably alongside Chelsea, are the front runners to get him. And he was really, really impressive against Arsenal at the weekend in West Ham's 2-2 draw. He showed everything um, that makes him such an appealing midfielder. Relentless energy in the press, uh, breaking up play in the passing lanes. He's just got that kind of leadership and charismatic nature to his game as well. And I think he fits into every top side. Then comes a question, Scott, as you've said, about what role are they looking to fill? Do they want Declan Rice to play as a six? Do they want to play as an eight? He could do both. Um, Maybe the price is determined on what role it is that he's looking to fill. How desperately do a club need to bring Rice in? Maybe if it's for a six, you put the limit at 70 million. If you're looking to play him as an eight and there's not many eights available, you go up to 80 million. All these kind of variables that's going to make it a really interesting summer. But I think the only thing we can say with certainty is that Rice is going. And our inclination, Graham, is quite happy in London, right? If he was to get his pick, that's probably still the two that he would want to go for. Yeah, I think project-wise, Arsenal clearly ticks all the boxes. He likes that. He likes them. That's, there's no doubt about that. Again, I think Arsenal are the ones who, yeah, they may be regarded as favourites, but I think, as Scott said, I think they're the ones who'll be scared off first about it by the price, if I'm being honest. Um, we know Chelsea are in there. Chelsea love him. Chelsea want to bring him home. He loves the club. We were talked about Mason Mount before. Yeah, he's not going to base his decision on whether Mason Mount stays or not, but if he does stay, then who better to help sell that Chelsea project than his best friend? 
I I find it hard. Well, he doesn't believe in it, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see if he signs or not. Um, whether whether I don't see him leaving London particularly, but as we said, is this Man City redevelopment going on with um, Calvin Phillips will be moved on? Possibly he could be a key figure as part of this deal, Toby. We've seen Bernardo Silva, Gundogan leaving, City in a rebuild. Could they get end up with Rice and Bellingham? Wouldn't rule it out. Really Do you think this is going to be the maddest transfer window ever? It could be. Well, I was listening, Scott. You talk about this number eight. If it, if you don't get Declan Rice, do you go for Paulina at Fulham, who's been sensational for them this season? Ruben Nevers at Wolves. Yuri Tillman's on a free transfer. As you say, Scott, I don't think people will overpay for Rice because there are a lot of options out there. There really are. Just We're going to talk Man United in a second. Every time I come to Old Trafford, I've always said it's one of my favourite places to play. It's an amazing stadium. <laughs> Declan Rice. <laughs> anyway, it is uh, so, but I, I back him about. I was at Old Trafford for the for the Everton game, and all these people who tell me that Old Trafford's falling down. Do you know, I, could, I could point you to some a lot worse grounds that I've been to in the Premier League than, than Old Trafford. <laughs> anyway, uh, the people who are saying that, and I, I'm I'm on that side as well in terms of Old Trafford needs. A, a makeover. At the very you, very. You go sit in the press off at press press facility at Leeds United and see what you think. That's Leeds United. <laughs> Uh, the Glazer family, the Glazer family, uh, new developments or not so new, Graham. I think the Glazers have always made it clear that they don't necessarily, they are not exclusively looking to sell Manchester United. It's more of we're assessing all of our options and there are a number of minority stake options for them as part of this elongated, boring, it's tedious bidding process which they're putting everyone through and the latest indications are graham a story that we've put out on 90 min today is the glazers are really considering staying for that bit first before yeah. i challenge it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they are scott you know they, they put this process in in into the they started the process in november it was always the headline was oh they're going to sell the club but there was always that little paragraph at the bottom wasn't it that it may be purely for investment etc looking for the vehicle to generate investment and although the third deadline which is coming at the end of april is for the formal bids for the for the overall takeover it is for the investment bids as well and there's been a lot of them there's a lot of interest in investment in united why wouldn't there be and underneath the whole issue here the glazers think that you know my night will soon be worth around 10 billion will that be one year two years five years so did they want to sell for six billion? Even if they, even if they got their asking price, current asking price to six billion, that is the issue. Have we ever believed that they would sell even at that figure, Scott? As a United fan, you probably answer. That. I don't think we. My, do, my do question we? to you, Graham, here, right? Mm. If they took minority investment, mm. that means selling a percentage of the club. If the club value elevates to ten billion, how much more than six are they actually making? Ah, but what happens if I pull a couple of Barcelona levers? Do they, instead of selling the actual percentage of the club, do they sell future investments? Do they sell rights to the club? That has been mentioned to me as well, that the Glazers are in that position, that they can pull these Barcelona-type levers where you're not handing over actual proportion of the club, but frighteningly, you're handing over different aspects. Is that a potential as well? Oh, I'm Scott? sure that's going to go down very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Scott's first there summed up the whole of the United fan base, I think. And, <laughs> and you know, and there is a thing as well to be mentioned to us guys this week. American sources have said to us the Glazers are one of the owners of the NFL, um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they have to approve new owners in, in the NFL. It works weirdly. And the Washington Commanders are about to exchange 
um, hands, and that'll be a world record fee for a franchise or a club, and they're being sold for $6 billion. And this is the Washington Commanders, who are probably one of the lesser franchises in the NFL, one of the least entertaining ones. They've got no, very little history. And then they compare, they do compare that to Manchester United, one of the most histor- historic teams on the planet, up there with the Dallas Cowboys. United and Dallas Cowboys in America are regarded as the two biggest clubs franchises in, in world sport. And I just I just don't think this money will be enough for the Glazers, Scott. And I think they will go down the minority route purely because they think they and it's and with very ten hard the work he's doing, Scott. This is United worth six billion without any recent history. You've done nothing in recent years, have you? And they've six billion. So if you go and win the Champions League next year, which is a distinct possibility, at least challenging for it. What are you going to be worth then? I, I mean, think that's I'm, the way they're looking at it. I do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not challenging like this at all. I, I've ne- I've not really spoken too much on the ownership because I think that all along the Glazers have. You have always had that inclination. You have always. You've always had. Ha- you've always had that inclination that the Glazers are the Glazers. But my my other point is, United fans have made it pretty clear. <laughs> they got a Premier League match postponed. All I'm saying is, if this turns on them, expect more. That's all I'm saying. Nope. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, the Glazers are pretty thick-skinned. Uh, but yeah, in minority investment, the, there's six Glazer siblings. Four of them want to get out. The two want to stay. Glazer quiz. Can you name them all, Scott? Joel, Avram, Darcy. I'm, I can't do it off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a good quiz not to get right, isn't it? If you're a native fan who can name them all, I'm not sure that's a positive. If you could name them all, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So minority investment comes in. The other four get bought out. If that's the, if that's going to be the case, because they want out of the club as well. But it would would it be what kind of minority? Saying, would it be yeah? Would it be a full buyout though? They're probably if if and if because if they believe their 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 relatives in the, the fact they think it's going to be worth 10, 15 billion in the future, they'd probably want to keep all of some of it themselves as well, wouldn't they? Any from the outside takes, Toby? <sighs> it's just all a bit farcical, really, isn't it? I think this is more boring than the Chelsea takeover, <laughs> which was boring in itself. The fact that it's gone to the rain group and we're now just going through this. Oh, this is the final process. Oh, this is the final process. Oh, we might not be selling after all in full. We might just accept minority investment. So, so dull. Um, But I've always had the inclination that they're not going to go anywhere anyway. So this does not surprise me whatsoever that this is now on the cards. Um, And I don't think the Washington commander's price helps one bit, as you've said, Graham. I think the fact that they're going for $6 billion, which is what, £5 billion, you could just see the Glazers standing behind that argument alone, couldn't you? And say, no, well, they're nothing compared to Man United. We want to get especially on the ten, it's this Ten Hag factor as well, where it's on United really are only going one way, aren't they? And and that means whilst United's progress, the club value is going that way as well. I think so, I said that on the last podcast, didn't I? There's something where they just want to ride it out and say, "We told you so," even though they haven't really told you anything. They've just got one appointment, right? It will make them look good. That United have gone it on this downward pretty, curve and then they it's come up. It's pretty crazy, really, right? That the Glazers put Ed Woodward in charge of football matters for 10 years and realized after 18 months or so that, oh, actually, <laughs> we shouldn't have done that, should we? Mm. Uh, because Ed Woodward was making the Hollywood decisions on managers, this kind of thing. And now, now that, that that's kind of moved aside. Anyway, you know how I feel. Um, 
just don't put it past the Glazers if they do stay. But all I'm saying is that that is not. Going I say to I think if they do stay, Scott, they should. If they do stay, they should really unveil that next to Harry Kane and De Jong signing to to smooth it up a little bit. Maybe. Talking of Barcelona players, since you just mentioned Frankie De Jong, Osman Dembele of Barcelona. What's his future looking like, Graham? And who's chatted with him? Yeah, it's just it's a situation with Dembele where we, we know he's um, a player who Zabi likes, Barcelona like. But if we remember back to it was last summer, Usman Dembele, when he almost joined uh, Chelsea. He had talks, he was out of contract. And then he signed a two-year contract extension, which was a bit of a surprise, but I think with Zabi being there, it helped. But at that time, he also took a wage reduction. And now he is in talks about a new deal at Barca. They want him to stay. But talk of him getting a new deal with an improved salary there, uh, it's not happening at Barcelona. You know the the situation they're going through. Everything is everything at the moment. Barcelona is focused on them getting Lionel Messi back, which will mean some players going. The only other deal they're doing is to try to bring players more players in. Ilkay Gundogan will come on to uh, Bernardo Silva is a player they love. Now Xavi. To be fair to him, he does love every single player he gets asked about. You know, he does. He loves all thirty players in Barcelona squad. But Dembele is a really interesting character guy. He's and he's only start again. The problem with Dembele is, I think, with Barcelona and he's wanting a new deal. He's only started fourteen games a season again. He really doesn't start many games, and he does have interest from elsewhere. He's only got twelve months left, so I don't think Barcelona go down the three free transfer route. I think he could move this summer. He's one of them. What we did a story a few weeks ago, Barca with the Messi situation. They are looking at all options in the squad. So Ferran Torres, Rafinha, who only arrived last summer, and Sufati, and Dembele. Them four wide men are really available. I know they, they love them, but you can only have so many players. And one club who, yeah, who's made I contact with Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, one player who's had contact with them. One team who's had contact with him is Newcastle United. Sources are telling us that whilst he was in England on a trip to meet um, the chairman of Sunderland, um, Louis Dreyfus, Carol Louis Dreyfus, he met with in, intermediaries. Sorry, his part, his camp met with intermediaries in Newcastle United to put forward their ambitions, ambitious plans. He's a player that Newcastle were linked to last summer, but it was probably a bit ahead of schedule at that time. But now we know Newcastle are in the market for elite players. They're looking for forwards who can play at the side. I think Dembele ticks an awful lot of boxes for Newcastle. I really do. And But they're not the only ones. You know, City have liked him before. Chelsea still like him. He's a, he's a world-class talent. He really is. Whether he gets a full season in the Premier League, I'm not so sure. But I think this is the sort of signing which I think we'll see Newcastle linked with. I think it's the sort of signing we'll see them do in the next 12 months. I think it really takes him on to the next, next level, guys. I think this is, and I don't think it's a major surprise to see someone like him linked to Newcastle. But yeah, there was conversations had, we're told from sources close to the situation that this went on whilst he was on his trip to Sunderland to watch Sheffield United play, which I'm sure was the main point of his trip to watch Sheffield United play. But yeah, Newcastle took advantage of the situation. Intermediaries in between made it known that Newcastle were interested. And uh, I think it's a really want to keep an eye on guys. I think Usman Dembele could um, materialise as a really firm Newcastle target. We'll wrap up shortly. Uh, we'll stick with Barcelona, though. Toby, Ilkay Gundogan already been mentioned. What What's the latest? Yeah, he's been a long-term 
target for Barcelona. I think they've been looking at him basically for the entire season. He's out of contract this summer, still playing a lot of football for Manchester City, isn't he? He's their captain, one of Pep Guardiola's um, go-to players in big games. I think he started almost all of their Champions League games, featured heavily in the Premier League, but he's 32 now. He's been at City for seven seasons, I think. Uh, and barring his first season, which was shredded by injury, he's been a really, really consistent performer for them throughout that time. But I think he's ready for something new. And sources confirmed to us a few days ago that Barcelona, it's not done a deal to take him to Camp Nou, but it's getting closer. And they're pretty confident that they're going to wrap him up on a free transfer. Uh, it could be the first of two City players. Bernardo Silva isn't close, but we know how much speculation has been about him. He's been Xavi has spoken about Bernardo in the past, hasn't he? You could see Gundogan being the first piece of that midfield puzzle, so to speak. Um, but I think the reason Barcelona are going for him is that they are trying to re-establish themselves as a force in the Champions League, aren't they? And Gundogan's pedigree. In that competition, although City haven't won it, he has performed on that stage for them time and time and time again. And they just want to strengthen their depth, I think. They've cantered to the La Liga title, but Europe is the next conquest for Barcelona. So signing Gundogan, bringing Messi back, potentially bringing in Bernardo Silva, maybe one or two others, Graham, that we don't know of yet. You'd expect Barcelona to suddenly be linked with each and every player, despite their financial uh, issues. But Gundogan, I think, is going to be the first one. They've got a few. Inigo Martinez, the centre halves, coming in as well, isn't he? And but, yeah, it's a as we said. Xavi says a lot about this squad. He loves every player. He doesn't want to lose anyone. Um, so yeah, with with Gundogan and possibly Bernardo Silva, I think it could be where United get the looking for Dion. I really do. I think um, it's a really interesting situation. But yeah, Barcelona, although they have got these financial difficulties, they are they are pushing on. Well, final set. Go on, Toby. What I was going to say, say, isn't it funny? Talk about the Super League. Real Madrid and Barcelona crying about X, Y, Z. They're the two clubs at the head of this Domino's queue. It's all about whether or not Real Madrid signed Jude Bellingham. What Barcelona do could have such an impact on what every other club around Europe does. It's annoying, isn't it, that they actually do have this position of power over the transfer market, whereas they kind of steer everything. And they, they, they hate each other so much. It's going beyond football now as well. Uh, anyway, that for another day. Um, <laughs> Graham, you mentioned Xavi loves all of his players. Will he keep them all? There's contract situations which they of their own players, which they haven't. It's still unclear given their current situation financially. We know of Gavi. What can you tell us on him and another player? Yeah, Ronald Arujo. He's in the same situation. He's got his his new contract he signed last year, which was taken at twenty twenty six. That hasn't been sanctioned by La Liga, which means his old deal is technically outstanding in 2023 or is due to expire. Barcelona are just saying, look, listen, it's not a problem. We're not worried by it. We're not worried about either player. And to be fair to them, what we're hearing from both players, they do want to stay. But who knows where we go with this? I think both players will stay, but purely for the love of Barcelona, that they want to play for them. I think if either showed any willingness or inclination to leave, then it would be a different matter. I think Barca might be losing them. But I think that they are very fortunate to in a situation where neither player really wants to leave and neither player is pushing to for an exit. If they've still got to register those two contracts and they want Messi and they want Gundogan and they want Bernardo Silva, how many players are realistically going to have to go in order for them to be able to do that salary-wise? 
It's, it's well, got to be five in, five out, surely, or at least and, five. And out. it's it's a new contract for Baldy, uh, the left back as well. It's new contracts everywhere. I really don't know. Are we going to see? Uh, is, is there a reload of these um, levers, Toby? I really don't know with them. You know, this. Me- I think the messy situation is going to be pivotal to what they do. He is, as Scott said the other week. It's it's a matter of when he goes back, not if, isn't it? It's looking like that way. But then, what is it? And there are some seller blasts that's there, like a Dembele, like a De Jong. Some of them are going to have to go. Chaos. This entire you question, show. You question that, don't you? De Jong and Dembele are what, 25, 26? And we're talking about bringing in 32 year old Gundogan, 36 or 37 year old Messi. Bernard, okay, Bernardo's not that old. He's what, 28, 29? Shouldn't it be the other way around? That it's the old guard going out and the younger talent coming in rather than. What Barcelona are going for? Well, Barcelona. Does this give you confidence, Scott? Does this give you confidence, Scott? Do you think with all this Barcelona shenanigans, do you have that feeling that De Jong will be available summer, won't he? I don't. I'm less confident this summer than last. Really? That way, yeah. Uh, Because I think what I'm seeing with Barca is I don't, you know, Gundogan coming in isn't necessarily going to play the pivot role. I don't think if they can teach De Jong that. They don't have loads of options in that position. Pedri, Gavi, all of the players, Bernardo Silva, if they want to bring him in, you know, they need, they're more advanced players. Let's, let's just say that. And I think I can, Frank, prob- Frank if Kessie, anything, oh, not, you're not saying Frank Kessie's not going to be a part of the future, are you? Well, Graham, I said it, I remember, I tweeted at the time, I when Barca signed him on a free transfer, I said, just wait, you wait a few months and they're going to try and flip him for a bit of cash. And that's exactly yeah. what's going to happen. But, um, yeah. Interesting. Barcelona, Chelsea, basket cases of football clubs. Tottenham, basket cases of football clubs currently. Makes for entertainment, though, doesn't it? As long as it's not your club that's involved in it. it. Todd and Todd and John, the, the, Joanne, they really are. They make our life really interesting. Has to be said. Yes. Uh, we, we've been badgering on long enough. Um, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth at Graham Bailey, 90min.com for all the latest, 90min.com forward slash talking dash transfers for all the latest transfer stuff from us. 90min underscore football on the socials. Get in touch with us, leave us comments, etc., etc. If you want us to talk about anything on the show as well in future, if there's any questions around your club you want answered, let us know. I think Graham's going to do some tweets ahead of ahead of time. Uh, so just get in touch. Hashtag talking transfers on the socials and we'll try and fit them into the running order of the show as well. That's it from us today, though. Long one, but thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you soon for another Talking Transfers. Thank you very much. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.